Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. We rejoice that you're with us today and we welcome you to this time to open God's word together. So I wanna encourage you, if you've got your Bible in your lap or you've got your smartphone in your hand, whatever device you have, if you would turn to the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians chapter one for this morning's message and for our time together here today. This morning, we're beginning a brand new series of sermons entitled Joy for the Journey. Joy for the Journey. I wonder this morning, have you ever been on a journey? I imagine that most of you have been on a journey in some way, shape, or form. And most of us, when we think of a journey, we think of some grand and glorious experience. We perhaps envision uh, taking a trip across the country or seeing a a great variety of states. Maybe we think even of countries for that matter. Some of us, when we think of a journey, we think of something more simple, but still just as enjoyable and glorious. We think of, of, a, of a hike and going to some beautiful picturesque scene that we would get to at the end of, of that hike. Some of us, when we think of a journey, we think of a family vacation where we take our family to enjoy something that would be very memorable. There's lots of things that we think of when we think of a journey. While most of us think of a journey, we think of something grand and glorious we don't typically think of the difficulties along the way. When we envision a journey, for example, we don't typically envision taking a wrong turn, missing the exit. We don't envision uh, twisting our ankle along the way. We don't envision getting to the theme park only to find that it is closed. We, We don't envision the difficulties that come and go. But I'm reminded of the importance of a journey that yes, there might be memorable and enjoyable, glorious experiences But the nature of a journey is that there are twists and turns. There are ups and downs. Yes, there are those memorable moments for good, but there are sometimes also those memorable moments because of how difficult and challenging they were. I'm reminded several years ago now of a friend of mine who had arrived, returned home from a vacation with his family. And so I came to him and I said, man, how are you doing? How was your vacation with your family? And he said, oh, uh, Matthew, don't you know, uh, I no longer go on vacations with my family. I said, what do you mean? You've been out of town with your family. He said, oh, we still travel as a family. We still go and do things, but I don't call them a vacation anymore. Well, his answer kind of uh, uh, made me curious. and made me want to know more. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't go on vacations anymore? He said, well, a vacation is when I get to get away with my wife and we get to do only the things we want to do and enjoy everything to the fullest. And, and those, tr- those moments are perfect, if you will. But with my family, there's always some sort of hiccup. There's always some sort of challenge. Something doesn't work out as planned. So I don't go on vacations with my family anymore. Instead, I go on adventures. Well, what my friend was describing was the fact that through adventures, yes, there are ups and downs, twists and turns, highs and lows, mountains and valleys, certainties and uncertainties. Well, the fact of the matter is this morning, the, many people describe the, uh, life as a journey. And, and for many of us, I would say that's a fitting description because there, there are some glorious moments. There are enjoyable moments. Even though this world's not our home, there are moments that we enjoy with one another and there are, there are picturesque scenes that we want to take in and things that we don't want to lose sight of. And yet at the same time, there's hardships. 
At the same time, there are griefs along the way. There are losses along the way. There are pains along the way. Yes, there are times of very exciting things, but there's also some times of discouraging and heartbreaking things. Yes, in many ways, it is a journey. But what I want us to understand this morning from God's word and in the coming weeks from the book of Philippians is that Jesus came and he offers the gift of eternal life. And through the joy and through the gift of eternal life, he offers a joy for every single one of us. In other words, yes, there are unknowns and yes, there may be some fears and yes, there may be some uncertainties and yes, there may be some hardships. There may be some mistakes along the way. There may be some hurts and bruises along the way. But here's the simple reality. Because of Jesus Christ, because of who he is and because of what he's done, because of the eternal life that he offers to all mankind who will believe in him, the reality is this morning is that even in the midst of the ups and downs, the knowns and the unknowns, you can have joy in your journey. You can have joy in your journey. Maybe you're wondering this morning, well, Pastor Matthew, how can we have joy in the journey? I mean, have you paid attention to the news reports? Have you paid attention to what's going on? Maybe you're sitting there right now, and frankly, you're a little fearful of what's going on because numbers continue to climb in a lot of places. Maybe you sit there even frustrated with the, the shutdown that's taking place. Maybe you're, you're, you're uncertain because of all the financial issues that are going on and are the jobs gonna open up here and how am I gonna take care of my family? There's a lot of unknowns, but what I want us to see this morning, yes, even in the midst of all these things, there is joy because there's Jesus. From Philippians chapter one this morning, I want us to begin on this series entitled Joy for the Journey. And here's what I want us to ultimately see in every part of this book is simply this. Joy is the byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. Joy is the byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. There's a reason why joy is listed as the second fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is love and then joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a reason it's listed there. And what I want us to see this morning is this. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, no matter what you face and no matter what you feel, you can have the joy of the Lord in your life. I want us to begin in Philippians chapter one. As we begin this study together over the next few months, I want us to recognize where the apostle Paul found joy. Now, everything about that we're going to find in Philippians is all with the understanding of a relationship, the foundation of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through that relationship with Christ, Paul has joy in several specific areas. And we begin to see that in Philippians chapter one, verses one through 11 on the subject today, joy in the church, joy in the church. I want to ask you this morning, do you have joy in the body of Christ? When you look at the family of faith, the believers in the Lord Jesus, your brothers and sisters in Christ, for those of you who know Jesus, does it bring you joy? Listen to what the apostle Paul penned in Philippians chapter one. The Bible says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Paul didn't leave anybody out. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to these words. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. 
in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. Because, listen to what the Apostle Paul says, I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that, believer, you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this moment in time together. I thank you for the joy that we have in Jesus. And I pray today that no matter where we're listening from and no matter what we're going through, God, that we can tune out the distractions and that as we focus on you and draw near to a relationship with you, God, that we would experience joy in our life today and may it all be for your glory and praise. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Joy for the journey. Today we begin by looking at the Apostle Paul and how he had joy in the church. Maybe you're sitting there this morning wondering, Pastor, what does this book of the Bible have to do with this season of life? Why are we studying the book of Philippians now? Truth of the matter is, over the past year or so, there have been numerous times that I've almost gone to the book of Philippians, and every time I prayed through it and thought through it, I just sensed a pause. There was something else that God wanted us to study as a congregation. The fact of the matter is, is when I think about this season of life and this time that we're in, I don't know if there's a more fitting and more appropriate book of the Bible than the one that God has penned through the the hand of the Apostle Paul, this letter to the church at Philippians. Paul, as he penned these words, was in a very unique situation in his life. The Bible makes it clear that in this moment that the Apostle Paul was a Roman prisoner. Some debate whether he was in a jail cell or if he was in a situation like house arrest, but here's what we do know. He was a Roman prisoner. In fact, he literally says that he was bound in chains. In fact, we learn later on that he was bound directly to a guard that was connected to him. He was in a great season of uncertainty in his life. He didn't know how this was going to end. In fact, specifically, his freedoms were limited. He couldn't go, come and go as he wanted to and as he pleased. He was bound in chains and daily waited to determine what was the outcome going to be. In fact, he didn't even know if he was going to make it out of this prison, if you will, alive. All he knew is that God gave him that moment and God gave him that day and God gave him a clear mind. And with that, God gave him opportunities to be faithful to the Lord's calling in his life. He didn't know how this would end. He didn't know if he'd be sentenced to death or if he would be relieved to go free. He didn't know if his restrictions and his imprisonment would be furthered or if it would be removed tomorrow. That's what the apostle Paul was facing in that moment. Now, to be clear this morning, I am not suggesting that we are in the same situation as the Apostle Paul. Fortunately, most of us listening today, we are not in prison. We we don't have physical chains about our hands or our feet. Uh, Most of us do not have the uncertainty of death, if you will, in the moment, though none of us know when our time will come. But in some ways, we can relate to that. 
We are in a situation where we're forced to shelter in place. We are in a situation where we're kind of uh, on house arrest, if you will. We are in a position where our freedoms are limited. We can't come and go as we please and as we liked and as we would want to do. Fact is, we don't know if our restrictions are gonna be furthered or if our restrictions are going to be lifted. Truth is, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Well, let me ask you a question. If you were the Apostle Paul and you were in his shoes riding from prison, what do you think you would focus on? I have to confess that if it were me, I'd probably be kind of having sympathy for myself and feeling sorry for myself and saying, hey, pray for me that God will get me out of here. I'm sick of it. Pray for me that I can get my freedom back. Pray for me that I can get to you. Pray for me that these things can happen. But here's what we find in the Apostle Paul. As the Holy Spirit of God is breathing the scriptures through him, the Bible tells us that there is one clear theme consistently all throughout this letter to the Philippians. And it's one word. It's the word joy. J-O-Y, joy. In fact, 16 times in this short little letter, we find the Apostle Paul expressing the joy that he had and even reminding the believers that no matter what they face, no matter what they feel, no matter if it's a mountain or a valley, literally, they can rejoice in the Lord. Well, how could Paul say that? How could Paul have joy in the midst of his imprisonment? How could he have joy when he didn't know what the future held? How could he have joy when he literally was in chains and he didn't know what was around the corner? He could have joy because he was focused on Jesus. Please understand this morning, Jesus isn't just enough for your journey. He is more than enough. And he will bring joy to your heart and to your life if you focus your heart and life on him. Because that joy in Christ is found in a relationship with Jesus through the gift of eternal life. And when we have that joy, not just a temporary emotion, but a deep abiding joy that comes from knowing Jesus, when we have that joy, it doesn't matter what we face, the world can't take that joy away from us. The Apostle Paul had joy in Jesus, and through that joy in Jesus, we find that he had joy when he considered the body of Christ, the church, the brothers and sisters that he knew in the city of Philippi. Now, for our time together this morning, I want us to make four observations about this joy that he had because of the believers in Philippi, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to consider first our appreciation of the body of Christ our appreciation of the body of Christ. We see loud and clear from the Apostle Paul that the Apostle Paul had a deep appreciation for the body of Christ. It causes me to ask a question this morning, and that is this. What is it that you appreciate today, now, more than ever? What is it today, in the midst of this pandemic, that you appreciate now more than ever? I believe this pandemic in some ways has caused us to realize that there are some things in our life that we've likely taken for granted. Some of those things along the way that we are becoming to appreciate um, can be somewhat lighthearted and funny. Uh, someone joked to me the other day as they were talking about restaurants that if they could not get inside of El Charro's for some Mexican food, that they were gonna go crazy. Maybe you could relate. I have another friend who explained to me that they had purchased some clippers in their house and his wife was going to attempt to cut his hair, to which he told me that, that after she cut his hair, he may need to call me for some marriage counseling. He's suddenly realizing his appreciation for his barber in these days. Now, some of those things are lighthearted and funny, 
But I wonder in all seriousness, what through this pandemic you are beginning to appreciate more than ever. Of course, I believe we're probably appreciating our truck drivers now more than ever. Our nurses and our medics and our doctors, we're appreciating now more than ever. Many of us are appreciating technology and and some of the capabilities there now more than ever, including me, which is a, a stretch for me. Some things we're appreciating now more than ever. But can I say to you loud and clear, I believe one of the things we should appreciate now more than ever is what we find in Philippians chapter one. I was asked in an interview the other day that I wasn't expecting to have another brother in Christ, a, a missionary asked me, Pastor Matthew, tell me, what is it today that you appreciate now more than you ever have? And without even thinking about a, a, an answer in advance, the immediate thing that came off my, really came out of my heart was just this, this clear answer. The thing I'm appreciating now more than ever is the fellowship of believers. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we fellowship together, when we talk together, when we do life together, man, I gotta tell you, I miss you all. I cannot wait till we can get back to the time where I can knuckle bump or shake your hand or hug your neck and catch up and fellowship with you. Why? Because we should have a deep appreciation for the body of Christ. This is where Paul was. Remember, Paul was in jail. He was in a Roman prison, had no idea if he would get out or not. Paul didn't want to be separated from these believers. He wanted to get to them, to minister to them, and to encourage them, but he couldn't do that. Notice what he says in this passage of Scripture. As he begins to remind them that they are in Christ Jesus, this is for all who believe in Jesus, he looks at them and says in verse 3, I thank my God in all, in every remembrance of you. Now, please understand the church at Philippi was not a perfect church. There were some things that he had to address along the way. There were some, for example, in the church that were proud and self-seeking, trying to bring attention to themselves. There were some in the church that were trying to to bring in false doctrine and a very narrow approach to things where they were missing out on on the truth of of the gospel. There were two ladies, at least, in the church that were gossiping and causing some division there. And there were some things that had to be confronted in this letter. But Paul first didn't start with the confrontation. He started with the words of commendation. He started with words of gratitude. Why? Because as Paul is in this prison and the Holy Spirit is giving him direction, his mind is focused on the things that are important. His mind is focused on the things that matter. And he starts with this attitude of gratitude as he looks at these believers and he says, I thank God for every remembrance of you. What did he appreciate about them? I believe Paul was grateful because the Philippian believers remembered him. In Acts chapter 16, we see the story unfold as as God works to the apostle Paul in the preaching of the gospel. As we see three primary people in the jailer's whole household, they believe in Jesus and they're born again, they're saved, they're baptized, and the church at Philippi is established. From the beginning of that time in Acts 16 to the writing of the book of Philippians, 10 years have passed, 10 years. Let me ask you, how many things do you think happen in 10 years? I think we've learned here recently how much can happen in just a week, in just a month, but in 10 years. Oftentimes a statement in our culture is that if if someone or something is out of sight, they're out of mind. And many occasions that's sadly true. But in Apostle Paul's case, it's been 10 years and he hasn't seen them. It's been 10 years and he hadn't been able to be back. And yet these believers did not forget him. They remembered him. They remembered him in such a way that that they wanted to encourage him and they wanted to bless him. And, And I think we see this response of Paul. Paul looks at them and he knows he has not been forgotten. 
I wonder this morning, as Paul says, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. Can you say the same? Can you say the same about the body of Christ? Can you think of other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, and can you say, I thank my God as I remember you? I thank my God as your face comes to mind. Do you have a deeper appreciation for the family of believers today than you ever had? Is the church perfect? No. Are there things to address? Absolutely. But can you say like the Apostle Paul, I thank my God for these brothers and sisters in Christ that God has surrounded me with in my life. Please understand this morning, if you can't look at your brothers and sisters and say, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, then something is wrong. Maybe there's a place where the enemy has a foothold in your life that's brought division in your life. Maybe there's a sinful attitude of, uh, of not confessing an offense or not forgiving a brother or sister. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to confess and turn from. Perhaps you've simply not been intentional to engage in community. I don't know, but here's the reality. The fact of the matter is this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, literally within every single one of us, there should be such a desire and such an affection and such a heart for brothers and sisters in Christ that we would say, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Every believer should be able to identify with a body of believers and genuinely say, I thank God for you. Paul found great joy in his relationship with other believers. And I pray that we will do the same. So what did they do that brought about this great appreciation from the apostle Paul? I think he points us to two primary things that they actively did that blessed him. Number one, I would say this, they were participants in the work of the Lord. Notice what he says in this verse of scripture. He says, I'm always offering prayer with, for you with joy in my prayer for all of you. Verse five, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm appreciative of you because of the way that you have participated, the way that you've come together for the work of the gospel is what he's saying. This word participant is an interesting word. In American culture, we, we get confused between the term a spectator and the term participant. If someone shows up and sits and watch, we think they're involved, but a participant has a more active role. They are active, they are involved, they are doing something, they're giving something, they're helping the cause in some way. The apostle Paul looks at them and he says, I am so thankful for you because you have been participating in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, we'll learn this later on in the book of Philippians, they were supporting the apostle Paul through their prayers, but they were also supporting the work of the ministry through their giving. In other words, they understood that the apostle Paul was facing a circumstance, but they knew that God wasn't limited by their circumstance. They understood loud and clear that the apostle Paul was imprisoned, but they knew the gospel could not be imprisoned. In other words, they faithfully supported the apostle Paul even when he was in a place of imprisonment. Yeah, he couldn't preach so openly and clearly, but guess what? He could write. Yeah, he didn't have a platform or a podium anymore, but guess what? He had a prison cell. Yes, he couldn't stand before the masses of the Pharisees any longer, but guess what? He could stand before the prison guards throughout the whole Praetorian Guard, and there he could proclaim the gospel. 
These believers, even when life got hard and when life got tough, they didn't forget the Apostle Paul, but instead they continued to pray, they continued to give, they continued to support, and in doing so, Paul says, I recognize that you are a participant in the gospel from the very first day until now. In other words, the believers at Philippi, through their actions, said to the Apostle Paul loud and clear, Paul, you are not alone. Not only were they participants in this incredible work, but secondly, they were partners in the witness of the Lord. Notice what he says in verse seven. He says, it is only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. In other words, you're not just participants, if you will, in the work of the Lord. You are partners in the witness of the Lord. Please understand that the enemy has a powerful way in these moments, if you will, of physical separation to make us feel that we are alone, to make us question whether we're truly connected, to make us question whether we are unified and on the same page. Please understand, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I know we physically can't be together, but I have you in my heart. And we are united, not by our good feelings towards each other. We are united by the blood and by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of your faithfulness, because of your participation in the work of the Lord, because of your faithful giving, because of your faithful prayers, here's what you are. You are a partaker of grace with me. He literally says in my imprisonment, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, he's saying, listen, as I stand and give a defense for the gospel, as I stand and proclaim the name of Jesus, as I stand and minister the truth of the gospel, I want you to know you are here with me. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. Please understand, as Paul said this, he was a Roman prisoner. And as such, as a Roman prisoner, frankly, it would be very easy for them to, to run in fear. It'd be very easy for them to try to dismiss. It'd be very easy for them to forget him, but instead, they didn't forget him. They continued in their support and their commitment. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, and they were not ashamed of him. So in the midst of difficulty and imprisonment, in the midst of persecution, false accusations, in the midst of criticism, Paul was encouraging, uh, encouraged by them and as a result was encouraging them. The fact of the matter is Paul understood that they were in this work together. Can I just take a moment right now, church family, and say to you, we are in this gospel work together. This mission of impacting the valley and blessing the nations of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not merely my mission. It is all of our mission as, as a body of believers here at Crossland Community Church. I cannot even begin to express to you how grateful I am for you. How grateful I am for the ways that you have continued to pray for this ministry. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for the ways that you continue to support our pastoral staff. I cannot tell you the ways of how grateful I am for the way that you're praying for us and encouraging us. Even in recent weeks, as, as I've seen so many of you have shared, hey, here's the message, please go online and listen, and you've, and you've given positive responses to it as you've encouraged others to be here, as you invited people to the Easter drive-in service, as you've continued to faithfully give and generously give, as you've continued to support missionaries, as you continue to provide donations to minister to people in the community, it has been nothing short of amazing. Can I just say to you, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. 
I want you to know, I know that we may not all be in this building right now, but literally every time God's word is preached, every verse of scripture that goes forward, every soul that is saved, every life that is changed, every heart that is healed, every home that is restored, every single bit of it, you are a partner in this gospel work. Don't ever forget the wonderful truth of God's working in and through us for his glory. We are partners together in this wonderful ministry work. And I wanna remind you this morning, God is opening doors in ways, even in the midst of this pandemic, that we've never seen before. And we give him all the glory and all the praise. But I wanna personally say to each of you, thank you for all that you're doing for the glory of God and for the good of his church. The second thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see our affection for the body of Christ. Paul started with saying, I thank God for every remembrance of you. And yes, we should have that attitude of gratitude for one another. But secondly, he moves on to an expression of affection. Let me ask you another question this morning. Do you love the body of Christ? Do you love the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters in Jesus? There are a lot of people who would say, well, I I love Jesus. I love God. But the fact of the matter is this morning, the Bible makes it clear, if we love God, we will also love our brother and our sister. So I would suggest to us this morning, if you find yourself critical, condescending, judgmental, and self-righteous, you need to examine yourself. The Pharisees also said that they loved God. And yet they demonstrated through their actions, through their pride, through their self-righteousness, through their constant antagonism against Christ, the fact that they didn't truly love God at all. What they loved was themselves and their own self-righteous religion. Do you love the body of Christ? One of the greatest evidences of our love for Jesus will be found in our love for our Christian family. Jesus said it loud and clear, didn't he, in John 13? He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. Well, where do we see this in the scripture? The Bible says in verse eight, listen to what the apostle Paul says. He says, for God himself is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul loved these believers. In fact, we we read these words of how he longed for them and we would come to the natural assumption that man, he, he must have really known these believers really well. They must have been really close and did life together a lot. I mean, he must have known them all for him to say, man, I, I love you so much, I long for you. This longing here is a, it's a deep abiding longing for someone that you deeply love. And we would assume that Paul knew them all. Here's the reality. When the apostle Paul penned these words, it had been 10 years since he had been in the, in the area of Philippi. Around AD 51, he was there in Acts chapter 16 as as three primary people become followers of Christ. And then the Philippian jailer's household, they believe in Jesus and the church of Philippi becomes established. It's been 10 years and guess what? Paul has sent ministers to them. Paul has inquired about them. Paul has prayed for them, but because of his own journeys and because of his imprisonments, he's not been able to be back. In other words, he doesn't know at this point the majority of the believers there. He knows of them, but he doesn't know them directly. And yet still when he looks at them because of the love of Christ in his heart and life and the love of Christ for these believers, he says, I want you to know, I long for you. Let me ask you a question. 
Is that how you feel? Is that how you would express your thoughts towards your church family right now? Do you long for your church family? Some will say, oh, no, pastor. You know what? I'm enjoying worshiping the Lord right here in my pajamas. Or maybe some will say, oh, no, no. I'm much more comfortable in my living room. That may be true. But let me ask you, are you longing for your church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Friend, I wanna remind you this morning, we were not made to live, we were not made by God to live in a place of separation and isolation. In fact, whenever you begin to study God's word, yes, there are seasons of sabbatical and rest that are needed, but when people are separated and isolated, it often brings an opportunity for the enemy to divide and to conquer and to destroy. But friend, I wanna tell you this morning, I believe what God is calling us to is to recognize our love for one another should create a longing in our hearts to fellowship with one another and be together. We weren't saved and called into the body of Christ to get comfortable in isolation and separation. There should be a longing in our hearts to be together and a grief that at the moment we can't. We see this affection from the apostle Paul, but please understand it's much more than just a longing. What did Paul say? He said, I long for you all with what? With the affection of Christ Jesus. That is awesome. How did Jesus show his affection? How did Jesus show love for you and for me? What did he do? You know the answer. Jesus sacrificially and willingly gave his life for us on the cross. Jesus didn't just say, I love you. He didn't just say, I long for you. Jesus stretched out his arms and he said, it is finished. Jesus stretched out his arms and he willingly gave his life for us. He literally paid the sin debt for all mankind that if we believe in him, we'll be rescued and we'll be saved. Jesus sacrificially demonstrated his love for us. And guess what? The apostle Paul says, I long for you with the affection of Christ. He's describing this same sacrificial love. In fact, Ephesians chapter three, verse one tells us literally that Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles, which included Philippi. In other words, Paul recognized that largely he was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel for the good of people that they could hear the gospel message, that their souls could be saved, their lives could be changed. And he willingly paid that cost. Why? Because of his love for Jesus and his love for them. Please understand this morning, our love for one another is best demonstrated not in loud professions, but in practical sacrificial actions. So do you love the body of Christ? John says it this way in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. He says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Listen to this. We know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, the question is clear. We readily accept that Jesus laid down his life for us, but here's the question. Are we laying down our life for the brethren? Third thing I want you to see from the book of Philippians, as we understand Paul's joy in the church, we see his appreciation for the body of Christ. We see these wonderful words of encouragement as he's appreciating them, and, and we see his affection and his love for them. But the third thing I want you to see is this. I want you to consider our actions for the body of Christ. If we truly love one another, 
If we truly care about brothers and sisters in Christ, if the love of Christ has been poured out in our hearts and it's being extended to others, it will manifest itself in some ways. And I love what we see of the Apostle Paul. He, he did two specific things that encouraged me and challenged me. We see this in verses nine through 11. Now he's already told us, I have joy in every prayer that I pray for you. In all remembrance of you, I'm always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. But here he tells us in verses nine through 11, what he's praying for. Listen to what the scripture says. He says, in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Now, Paul demonstrated love and ministry to them in a lot of different ways. He did send ministers to them. He did write to them. He did encourage them. And at times he did even confront them. But I want you to see loud and clear what he first does in this first chapter. He says, I want you to know something. I know I physically can't see you. I know there's restrictions and I'm in prison and I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I want you to know this. I love you and I am diligently praying for you. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse one, that Paul encouraged Timothy and the church to literally, for first of all, a first priority, I want you to pray for all people everywhere. I want you to pray. In other words, Christians, there are many things that you can do after you pray, but there aren't many things you should do until you first pray. A lot of things you can do after you pray, but there's not many things you should do until you first pray. Brings up a question, doesn't it? How are you praying for others? How are you praying for your church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ? How are you praying? Many of us have extra time right now. I suggest that extra time should be spent in deepening and growing near in our relationship with the Lord. That extra time should be spent as we develop the discipline and the, the wonderful habit, the wonderful joy of coming before God in prayer. How are you praying for others? Galatians chapter six, verse 10 says it this way. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What do we pray for? A Christ-like compassion. He prayed that their love, and I believe the context here is for one another. He prayed that even though he couldn't be there, that their love for one another would abound more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment. Please understand, we are to show love for one another. And we should be praying that even in this time of distancing, that that love for one another would continue to grow and to grow and to grow. Some people say, well, love means that you condone everything. That's not the case at all. There are things in our life at times that need to be addressed. That's why he says literally to grow in love in all knowledge and in all discernment. It's not that we dismiss things, but what he's calling us to in this moment is to have a sacrificial, faithful, unconditional love for one another, even as Christ has had for us. Paul wanted them to know that he was praying that even in this time of trial and difficulty, even in this time of separation while he was in prison, that it would lead them to love one another more and more in the church. Can I say to us right now in 2020, this still rings true today? Literally, that even through this trial and even through this difficulty, this can be a time where we grow in our love for one another. This can be a time where we find ways to encourage each other, pray for one another more intentionally than we've ever done before. This can be a time where we, we think about writing cards and making phone calls and doing things that are personal to go out of our way to show one another in the body of Christ that we are loved and to say to our brothers and sisters, you are not alone. We care for you 
and we are united in Jesus Christ. So let's not get comfortable in the distance, but instead allow the distance to deepen our love and compassion for one another. But secondly, he prayed for this. He prayed for Christ-like character. Notice this. He said, I pray so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Please hear this loud and clear. Paul understood he couldn't physically get to the church. He's imprisoned. He's restricted. And even though he understood he couldn't get there, he also knew another sobering reality. And that sobering reality was this. The enemy, Satan, was on a prowl. He was like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Even though Paul was in prison and he couldn't get there, he knew that the enemy would do all that he could to deceive and to distract and to divide and to destroy And he said, here's what I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying that instead of growing distant in this time of separation, I'm praying for you that instead of growing cold in this time of separation, I am praying that you will look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. I'm praying that you'll lean into him. I'm praying that you'll move forward in your relationship with him. I'm praying that you rely upon the righteousness of Christ that has clothed you and cleansed you. I am praying for you that you may approve the things that are excellent, the things that bring God praise. Don't be distracted. Don't, don't give in to the temptations. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy so that you may be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. This word for approve here literally means to examine and to test, and it was used in testing metals for purity. Make no mistake about it. Paul said, listen, I want you to, to press into your relationship with Jesus, rely upon him, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that you are sincere and blameless. Your decisions reflect your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In this time of pandemic, in the midst of shutdown, frankly, in America right now, we are seeing several trends. Yes, God is working in many different ways and God has been glorified in many different ways, but the simple fact is in America, there are some statistics right now that are very sobering. Alcohol sales right now are through the roof The increase of drug use is unbelievable. Domestic violence cases that are happening even in our community. The viewing of pornographic content in various locations, all these things are are through the roof. They're at an all-time high. In other words, people in our culture in the midst of this separation and isolation, they're self-medicating and they're isolating and they're drawing inward and the enemy's using it in the midst of that to, to have a field day at destroying lives and wreaking havoc. But can I say to us this morning, If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, what does he say? He says, listen, you have already, you've been clothed and cleansed with the righteousness of Christ. And so he says, listen, I want you to understand this. You've been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus. Don't give in to those temptations. Don't go to those directions. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your life. Look to Jesus. Look to what he's done for you. Don't forget that it's the Lord Jesus Christ that saved you and set you free. Paul gave this wonderful word as he tells them, here's my action. I'm praying for you that you'll grow in Christ-like compassion and grow in Christ-like character, that you'll be sincere and blameless until the day you stand before Jesus. But finally, I want you to see this morning our assurance in the body of Christ. I love this final statement. I'm gonna go backwards in this text here to verse six at a scripture that I stepped over a moment because I want us to end here with this powerful reminder. 
There are a lot of things that Paul was uncertain of in this moment, whether he'd get out of prison or not. He uncertain about what this was going to end in for him. He didn't know if he was going to get to the believers again to see them. A lot of uncertainty. But in the midst of it all, Paul says, but I am confident of this one thing. I know that this is a tumultuous world. I know that I'm being persecuted for preaching the gospel. I know it may lead to your own persecution. I know Philippian church, you're in a place of, of literally great poverty right now. And, and I know the outcome and the situation is unclear and things don't look good. But I have every confidence in this one thing. What does he say? Verse six. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm confident, I have every confidence. I wanna tell you this word of assurance, the one who began this great work in you is gonna be faithful to perfect it, to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Fact of the matter is the believers in Philippi didn't know where this was going to go. They didn't know the outcome of it all. They didn't know if they were gonna see Paul's face again. They didn't know. But Paul says, I've got something I wanna assure you of. I want you to envision the aged apostle. I mean, in many ways, he's an encourager in this moment. He's like their cheerleader saying, listen, I want you to know, I know the situation is clear, but I have every confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have every confidence in the one who saved you, in the one who called you, in the, way, the one who's working in you. I have every confidence in what he's gonna do in the future. And I want you to know, this work of salvation in your life, it wasn't the working of man. It wasn't the working of me, Paul is saying. It was the working of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who began that work. And guess what, believers? He's the one who's still working. And not only is he the one who's still working, he is going to perfect it in the end, bring it to a place of completion when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know this morning, loud and clear, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the saving work of salvation that's happened in your heart and life was not the working of a man no matter how great he was or how flawed he was, no matter how famous he was or infamous he was, no, no matter how well-known or whatever, I'm just telling you, the work of salvation that's been done in your heart and life was not the working of man, it's the working of God. And if the work of salvation has happened in your life, you're accrediting to a man, I want you to know that it's not really salvation because the only way we can be saved, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, is by grace through faith, and it is not of works so that no one may boast. I want you to know, the same God who saved you is the same God who is at work in you and he will bring it to completion. When I was a kid, we sang it all the time. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Let me ask you this morning, do you see that in your life? Do you see the Lord's working in you? If you're listening from your living room right now and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I, I don't see God's working in me. I mean, I've gone to church and I've done this and I've done that, but I don't sense 
God working in me to where I know that I have eternal life, to where I know that if I were to die today, that heaven is my home. I don't see God working in my life in the sense that he's changed me. And now my desire is to please and honor him and know him. I'm just still living the same old way. Well, friend, I want you to know this morning, if you're still living the same old way, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Where does that work begin? It begins in you. Romans chapter 10 reminds us that we must believe in our heart, in our heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. Has God began that work in you? If he hasn't yet, right now, you can believe in Jesus and confess him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Friend, I tell you this morning, if you let the Lord Jesus Christ be the Lord and ruler in your heart and life, There is no telling what he can do in your life. But if you're listening right now and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've said yes to that offer of salvation. You've put your faith in Jesus to be the Lord and ruler of your life. And I want to encourage you, be grateful for his grace in your life. But not only be grateful for his grace, be grateful for the brothers and sisters in Christ that he has surrounded you with. Not only be grateful in your heart, but find ways to show your love and your appreciation. Find ways to be intentional, pray for them, to encourage them in this walk. Yes, in many ways, life is like a journey. Lots of unknowns along the way, but there is a way we can have joy. We have joy in Jesus and in Jesus alone. When we are found in Christ, as Paul says, hey, to you in Jesus, to you who believe in Jesus, we quickly discover in coming to faith in Christ, we're not alone. Not only do we have Jesus, we have one another. Church family, I want you to know, I thank God for you and I love you. And I pray for every single one of us that we will continue to abound in love more and more and more. But also pray for us that we will approve the things of God that we will test the things to determine, is this what God is calling me to do? Does this bring glory and honor to Jesus? Or is this of my flesh and of myself? My prayer for every single one of us is that we'll be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. If you're listening right now, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but as you think about being sincere and blameless, you know there's things in your life you need to confess, I invite you to do so right now. Confess them to God and experience his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. But if you're listening and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you never turned to him, surrendered your life completely, right now, would you just bow your head and would you pray, God, I know that I don't see a change in my life. God, I'm living the same old way I've always lived and I don't see where you've worked in my life. And so God, I pray right now that you would work in my life, that you would forgive me of my sin, save my soul and change me today. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again. And I confess today that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life from this day forward, that I may walk with you and live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. 
If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.